Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Latin words, literally encouraged, to put strength back in the heart, literally to, 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 to cause you to believe and to move and to act again, to be confident, to move forward towards something. We have a need for that, and God knows that. And especially that section in the Bible when we read um, about God leading his, his nation, these slaves, these Hebrews, from Egypt after his deliverance through the wilderness. I'm so thoroughly aware of God understanding the need for these people to be encouraged daily. Because if you think about it, every single day these people wake up, not where they grew up, not in a place that is secure, but they are a, they are a, a moving people. They are, a, they are tenting, camping people, constantly moving through the wilderness. They move, they camp here. They are even uncertain about where they're going to camp tonight. They've never been where they are today. Everything is new, everything uncertain. They live in a place that is unsafe. There are no walls to protect them. They are not soldiers. They were never trained to be soldiers. They, are, they were servants and slaves in various forms, uneducated, uninspiring. They don't have confidence in themselves. They've never been trained to think for themselves in that way. They, they're really uncertain people. They're moving through the wilderness, and God is leading them on. And apart from His presence daily, manifesting in a cloud of fire by night and a cloud by day. Apart from his presence, God gave them these priests with the Aaron as a head. And he said to them these words that we know so well of by heart. And this is the context in which he's speaking. He's saying, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to your brother, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lifts up his countenance, his face upon you, and give you peace. And so shall I put my name upon these people, and I will bless them every single day. The Lord said to them, every single day, when these people gather at the tent of meeting for the morning sacrifice, every single day when they gather there, I want you to speak to them these words. And in essence, I want you to remind them of who I am and what I have for them. And this is a very powerful encouragement. And this evening, I'm going to slowly just speak through these six points to you. And just to slowly, we're not going to drag it out, but slowly just unpack something about God's heart for you and me as we navigate uncertainty and as we're moving through places towards the dream, the goodness that God has prepared for us with God's powerful presence with us. The first thing the Lord said to them, tell them every single day, that I am a generous God. Tell them every single day that I am here and willing to bless them. And you must remember, these people have moved out of everything that was secure for them. It wasn't nice in Egypt. This was not where they wanted to be. This was not good. They knew that they had to flee and God had to deliver them from oppression there. But now they find themselves, they are on their way to a land filled with milk and honey a place that is prosperous, a place that is good, a place that is peaceful, a place that is beautiful, a place where they can build a legacy, where they can inherit the blessing of God there. 
But now they're not there yet. They're on their way there. It's uncertain. They're in the wilderness where they only have manna. Manna literally means, what's this? <laughs> so they're eating this uncertain, unknown, unnew thing. Like, and it's not necessarily like it always, but it's provision and it's good for today. But it's only for today. They can never store up anything unless it is the day before the Sabbath day. And they can store for two days. But it's only sufficient for today. And God says to them every single day, will you tell these people, tell them that they don't have scarcity because I'm angry. Tell them that they don't have scarcity because of their sin. Tell them they don't have scarcity because they're out of my will. Tell them every single day that I will provide for their needs, but my heart is to bless them here today. That I, my heart is open towards them. That I am a generous God. It's amazing. Psalm 145. It reads that the Lord, it reads so beautifully that I open up, He opens up His hand and He satisfies the desire of every living thing. We can cast our cares on the Lord, Peter says, because He really cares for us. Cast our cares on the Lord. What do you need, says God? The Lord says to richly ask Him everything because He's generous. Jesus said, ask my Father and I'm willing to bless you. Tell them every single day that I will provide for their daily bread. Jesus said to the, to the peasants who followed Him into the wilderness as well when He taught His disciples, when He taught them on the hill and the Mount of, Sermon on the Mount, He said the same thing. He says, guys, do not be concerned. Do not be worried about today. You will have your daily bread. Your Father knows what you need. Tell these people that God is not a stingy God, but He's a generous God. I learned so much through my wife. She, she just expects God's blessing. I grew up with the understanding that, you know, God is not really generous. <laughs> you know, He's like, He gives me baseline bread. Don't ask for butter, you know, <laughs> that type of mindset. But my wife is like, no. No, I grew up with the knowledge that God is a generous God. He opens up His, he opens his hand and He satisfies the desire of every living thing. Romans 8.32 says that He who gave His Son for us, how much more will He not freely give us all things? And, and it doesn't matter how you translate that, it comes to the same thing. God already demonstrated His generosity towards us in giving us His most precious gift. How much more will He not give us freely all things? And James says, well, church, let's be honest, you have not because you ask not. Trust in the generosity. God says to his people, tell these people every single day that I want to bless them. I'm here to bless them. My heart is open. My hand is open. I am a generous God. I want to bless them. The second thing he told these people wandering through the wilderness in this unsafe and this vulnerable place, he says, tell these people that I am a God who watches over them. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. They are so, they're feeling so vulnerable. Everything has changed in these recent months for them. Everything has changed. Nothing is the same anymore. They didn't live where they used to live. Everything is new. Everything is vulnerable. Everything is moving. The women, the families, their children, their little livestock that they had to travel with through the wilderness, the nomadic people, everything was new for them. Nothing was the same. They didn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They felt unsafe. And God said to them, tell them every single day that I am the God who watches over them. Years later, about 400 years later, after the Israelites came and possessed the land, lived for a while through David and Solomon, and then came the decay of Israel, the split between the kingdoms, 
and they were taken into exile by the Babylonians. They lived in Babylon for 70 years, and they returned with Ezra, with Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple in the days of Nehemiah. They returned back. They felt so unsafe again. The Israelites felt so unsafe again because now they're living in Jerusalem, and there are bandits and tribes around them wanting to do them harm. But Jerusalem's walls were broken down. The Lord spoke through the prophet Zechariah, and he said to them, Tell these people that I am the God in their midst, the glory in their midst, and the wall of fire all around them. God watches over you. In those days, that beautiful Psalm 121 was written down. Psalm 121, it says so, um, it says so the Lord is your keeper. Let me just read it to you. Let me just read it to you. I got it here ready because I had the, the thought that I might misquote it. Indeed, he who watches over, all, over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. The Lord will keep you from going out and coming in from this time and forevermore. God is the one who watches over you. And a certainty that I am the wall of fire all around you. I am God who watches over you. Tell these people that I am concerned for their safety. I'm concerned for their safety. And it's a beautiful text. Vulnerability. I'm generous. I will bless you. I'll keep you safe. I'm really concerned for you. God says, I'm watching over you. I'm watching. I'm here with you. You're not alone. The third thing, the Lord tells these nomadic people, these wilderness wandering people every single day. He says, tell them that my face lights up when I think about them. Now remember, these people come to God every single morning in these harsh, uncertain conditions. They come to the tabernacle, the, the, the temporary tent, the temporary temple in the wilderness where God's glory dwells. It's not, it's not flashy or anything. And they come there every single day because they offer a morning sacrifice, a reminder of their sinfulness and God's holiness and God's mercy. Every single day they come there with the knowledge that God is holy and God is perfect and I am not. I'm not. And the Lord says, tell them every single day that I am not angry, that I'm not furious, that you don't disgust me, and no, I don't just tolerate you. God says, I delight in you. I remember, I'm going to go back now home tomorrow. I've been away from my kids for four days, and I'll tell you what I'm going to get there, because I know this every single time. I'm going to come home in the afternoon, just as my kids come home from school, and Nathan and Marguerite are going to come running from the house as soon as I open the garage doors, drive my park, park my car in the garage, and they're going to come, and their face will light up when they see me, and mine will do the same. What does it mean if God's face light up? It just means that God really delights in you, that God enjoys you, that God is a friendly God, that He's friendly towards you. He's not angry. He doesn't tolerate you. He's not disgusted with you, that He's a holy God, but He delights in you. He really enjoys you. He loves you. He enjoys being with you. I said over the weekend as we did a marriage seminar here, it's amazing when we ask ourselves, when we ask people in ministry, you know, when you do ministry for people, so tell me about your relationship with your parents. Do they love you? How much do they love you? No, they, they really love me. And then you have a conversation with them for a while, and you've, you go like, wait, wait. When I rephrase the question, 
because it really seems as though you had an uncertain relationship with your parents. Can I ask you the question again? Would you say that your parents delighted in you, that your dad delighted in you, that he couldn't stop being with you, that he loved being with you, that every time you walk through the door, his face lights up, and he goes like, wow, I'm so happy to see you. I love being with you. That's what God feels with you. God really delights in you. He doesn't tolerate you. He really enjoys you. He makes his face to shine upon you, just like these sunflowers open up whenever they see the sun. It's like it opens up. It delights. It shines. It responds in that way. There's joy and there's delight. God is a friendly God. He's not an angry God. He's not an angry God. He's a delight. He delights in the prosperity of his saints. He says the Lord delights in his people. He delights in the prosperity of his saints. He really loves it. And then he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you. And then the Lord said to Aaron, tell the people every single day that I am a gracious God. I am a gracious God. My nature is gracious. I am a merciful God. The Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, he told Moses. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Gracious and compassionate. That's who I am. It's not as though it's difficult for God to deal with our imperfections. Psalm 103 is one of those most beautiful texts. It says that the Lord, Psalm 103 verse 8 to 10, it says that the Lord, like a father, has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on us because he knows that we are dust. And I want you just to grab the gravity of that text. You know, um, Nathan, I made a little bit of vulnerability here. So Nathan, our firstborn, he was born with, um, we didn't know it, but the speech apraxia, so, and hectic. So uh, just after three years and three months, he still couldn't speak, not a word. And we saw over that last six months, eight months, I saw my delightful boy, my joyful, confident kid who runs with the others and he can't stop dog running around and being crazy and entertaining, grabbing the microphone because I'm a pastor and he's always like, he also wants to be on stage and he's this confident kid. I see him coming home from school with marks on his butt from, from play school and I'm trying to figure out, Nathan, what happened with you? And he can't tell me what happened with him. And I get nightmares with this boy, uh, you know, nightmares of him getting lost in Tiger Valley Mall or at the waterfront. And I wake up in sweat and cold sweat going like, he won't be able to tell anyone where, he, where mommy is, where dad is. Because, because he has a speech impediment. He can't speak. It's, it's impossible for him. And it was an extremely difficult time for me. It was an extremely difficult time for me and Magrit. My wife is a pediatrician, so this is sort of a game, you know, kids and helping kids. And it was like, she just goes like, we diagnosed it quite easily. We got help from speech therapists. We prayed. Eventually, God did do a miracle. And uh, Nathan can't stop talking now. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a slow process. And then we have a daughter named Marguerite, who at a year and a half couldn't stop talking. She talks the whole time. So young sissy talks the whole time, and Obud can't talk. You ask me which one of the two kids had more compassion for me, had more grace for me, had more love for me. And anyone with any insight will know that most of my attention, compassion, and mercy 
went towards Nathan because there was something insurmountable to him which he couldn't overcome. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for you because he knows that you dust. He knows what your limitations are. He knows what you cannot do. It's not as though it's difficult. It's not as though God tolerates us when we struggle with stuff. It's God's heart and His mercy abounds towards us. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That's what the Bible says. God is a gracious God. He's a gracious God and He's demonstrated. He demonstrated His love towards us in giving us His Son while we were still rebellious and sinners and far away from Him because He knows that there's no way in which you can save yourself from the thing which keeps you back. God is a gracious, it's his nature to be gracious. I love that text. I'm just going to stand here for a second because of the word of knowledge that Philip had earlier tonight. I'm just going to stay here for a second. You know that text in the Bible where it says that, um, that uh, if we confess our sins, he's, 1 John 1 verse 7 to 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins And I just want you to pause there, faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And you, and you go like, how, how is God just to simply overlook our wrong? You know, how, how is God just? How is God right and fitting? How is it proper for God to not punish our sins? How, how does that make sense? You know, Romans 4 verse 5 says the same thing, God who justifies the ungodly. If you think about that in legal terms, uh, Crystal, you're studying... Uh, law. How is it just, how is God right to overlook our wrongs and ignore it? And we know what it means. It means simply that God is the one who already gave His Son to carry our sins, our iniquities, our sickness, our brokenness upon Himself, and vindicated it. He already carried everything on himself. So when we come and we confess our sins in the name of Jesus to the Father, God is absolutely right, faithful, and just to overlook it because a righteous God cannot punish two people for the same crime. And it's something you must carry in your heart. It's not a big thing to go before God and to say, God, this is me, Ross, a sinner. This is me, and I messed up again. God, this is me. I, I just can't leave my phone and those pictures. God, this is me. I can't stop doing that thing, God. This is me. I have a sinner. I have a brokenness. And the Bible says, please tell these people every day that I'm a generous God. Tell them every day that I am the God who watches over them. Tell them every day that I'm friendly and I delight in them. And tell them every single day that my nature is mercy towards them. I give them what they don't deserve, and I forgive them. That means I don't give them that which they also deserve, the punishment they deserve. I am a merciful God. That's who I am. I had another revelation in Pretoria here as I was driving past this road, actually, one day on the way to, uh, to Hatfield. We stayed in the moot back here, and I drove here, and I was just thinking about in the olden days, in these times, a family would take a living thing, to God, and the Bible says that the priest had to inspect the gift, whether the lamb or the pigeon, if you're poor, 
was flawless, perfect, and absolutely amazing. He had to inspect all these things perfectly. And they had to be, and if there was no flaw, it had to be perfect to be acceptable to God. And sometimes we feel that we have to be like that, you know, perfect before we can come to God. We have to be right to be enjoyed by God. But the amazing thing is, the person who brings the offering is never inspected. The person who brings the offering brings the offering because he is assumed to be imperfect. <laughs> it's why you bring the offering. It's only the lamb that is inspected, the blameless, the lamb who took away the sins of the world. It's only Jesus who is inspected. You are not inspected. You are received because the lamb is perfect. You are not assumed to be perfect. You are welcome because the lamb is perfect. God enjoys you. God is a merciful, gracious, forgiving God. Tell these people every day that I'm a merciful, gracious God. Tell them. And then he says, tell them that I lift up my face towards them. Tell them that I lift up my countenance. You know, these people come from Egypt. These people grew up in Egypt with a priestly class, with a high class, and the officers of the royal army were the royal people. And these people, and then you had the normal Egyptians, and these people were called Hebrews, literally meaning second-hand citizens, subhuman, not really human like the other humans. They were slaves, they were consumable, they were not important, they were not, you know, noticeable people, not, not, not important people. No one would stop their doing because... No one would give them attention because you are not important. You are not important. And so they come before God in this vulnerable condition every single day to a tent of meeting where they present their offerings to God. And he says, please remind them, these people, every single day that I am the God who lifts up my face and I notice them. I stop what I'm doing and I notice them. Anyone, I mean, Nathan and Marguerite knows that. They especially knew this during lockdown. When my wife was in the hospital the whole time and I was home with these kids, <laughs> they know this, <laughs> that I'm working and that I'm busy with something, a recording generally or a writing or a phone call. But they know that when they open that door and they run into the place, I stop what I do, I lift up my face and I notice them because they're important to me. They're important to me. I usually have a smile on my face when I see them. But except if it was the eighth time that I had to restop, stop the recording to restart it because it's the eighth time that they interrupt this eight-minute recording. <laughs> but it's amazing. But this is what it means. It means tell these people every single day that I pay attention, that I notice you, that you're important to me, that I really want to hear. No one wants to hear what's on your heart. I want to hear. I, I'm concerned. I, I'm interested. I really delight in you. I pay attention to you. That when you pray, I listen. That I'm God, the hero of prayers, the psalmist says. I'm the God who hears the prayers of his people. I'm the God who answers the prayers of his people. I'm the God, the God says, my ear is not too deaf to hear. My, eye, my arm is not too short to reach out to you. God says, I am attentive. I notice you. I loved you so much that I gave my son to buy you back to myself. I really want you. I want to be with you. Tell them every single day that they think they're not important but they are important to me. You are important to God. God is attentive if he lifts up his face. And then the last one, the Lord bless you. He's generous. The Lord keeps you. He's protective. He's really concerned for you, and he wants to watch over you. The Lord lifts up his, uh, his face, lights up. He delights in you. He's a friendly God. The Lord is merciful and gracious towards you. And then the Lord is attentive. And the last one, tell these people every day that at the present, yes, 
they live in the wilderness and they move from place to place, that they don't dwell in flourishing life or prosperity at the moment, that they're on their way to a land filled with milk and honey, and I have prepared it for them, and I'm going to give it to them, and it is my covenantal blessing that I want to give to them, I want to bless them. But tell them every single day in this uncertain environment, tell them that my heart towards them is that they may live in shalom, in peace, in welfare, in prosperity, absence of war, absence of anxiety, that I want them to flourish. And I don't just want them to flourish one day far, far away from here, but today. I want it that it will be well with their souls. And that God says, I give myself to them. I've bound myself to them that they may be well, that they may dwell in prosperity, that they may dwell in peace, that they may dwell in sufficiency, that they may lack nothing. I want, I'm giving myself to them that when they go through the wilderness, I will make manna fall every single day for them. That we went through the wilderness, if they crave, I will send them the meat. If they work through the wilderness and it's dry, I will make waters to well up from rocks. I'm committed to their welfare, to their prosperity, to their joy, to their festivity. I'm committed to them, says God. My heart is that they may dwell in peace. I want it to be well with you. I am a life-giving God. And I commit my, I bound myself to them for a life-giving community. It's amazing. The Lord bless you. Maybe just the next slide. Yaku, thank you for helping me with the slides. The Lord is a generous God, protective God, a friendly God, forgiving, attentive, and life-giving. And I, I don't know if you remember the text there in the beginning. It says, tell my servants, Aaron and his sons, the priests, to bless these people. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lifts up his countenance upon you and the Lord gives you peace. And then it says, and tell them every single day. Tell them. You, you do this every single day. And by doing this every single day, what does he say? You will bind my name to them. Now, for us African English people... <laughs> 3,000 years later. You know, this is a bit of a difficult, we, we, we might miss this. But what he essentially means in the Hebraic text is they will take on my nature. They will become like me. By repeating this every day, these people will become like me. That the nation of Israel, my desire for the nation of Israel, as they become infused in the reality that I'm a generous God who wants to bless them, as they become infused with the reality that I'm a God who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, as they, that they will become like me. My heart is that they will become like me as they participate on my mission of renewal and making all things new again, of bringing redemption to creation as a whole. They are my new people. And he says eventually these people will become a generous people that opens their hand widely to give to the poor in the land because I am a God who generously supplies in their needs, that these people will become the protector of the fatherless and the widows, that those who have no voice and cry out, God is the one who's going to be the, the God of the foreigner to protect them against xenophobia and about fears in this world. He says that, that these people will become friendly and notice everyone, that even if someone with a different race, ethnicity, culture, or a different religion walks through the doors, that they will stop and respect and be delightful in this person who's created in the image of the Most High God. That these people will become a people who is 
gracious and forgiving that when someone sins against them, we know that the Father will forgive us as we forgive these people. That these people will become attentive and notice and pay attention to the whosoevers. Do not disregard people, but simply to pay attention and honor them because they are created in the image of our God. That these people will become a people who not just live and enjoy my peace, but generously cultivate shalom in the community around them, that they may seek the peace of the city, even in Babylon, where it was said, seek the peace of the city in the, city, in the place in which the Lord has placed you, because in its shalom, you yourself will find shalom. That we don't just keep the generosity and the goodness of God to ourselves, we'll become like that. This is the heart that God has for you and for me. This is how God reveals himself to you. And then the Lord ends the line, maybe just the last slide, Yaku. And he says, tell these people every day. And God says, watch the space. You speak my word over them. And you watch me perform my word. Watch me perform my word. See how I, the present God, the God who is here, the God who, who moves among them, see how I bless them. I want you to, Yaku, if you can just move one slide up. I want you to look at the, the images, the words up there, the summary. And I want you to notice on the inside, I want you to notice your vulnerability. I want you to notice your desire. What is the, what is the thing that you desire of the blessing of God right now? Is it for generous provision? Do you feel unsafe in the place where you are now? Just vulnerable because of everything that has happened or maybe something particular. Do you feel, do you feel as though you can't experience God's delight over you for whatever reason? Do you feel perhaps more guilty before God? Do you struggle to receive His forgiveness? Do you feel dirty, marred, shamed? Do you feel perhaps unnoticed by God? Do you feel as a nobody? You're not really important. You don't feel important to God. Or perhaps you really struggle to believe that God wants to dwell, wants to prosper you where you are right now. And I want you to notice that. And tonight we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for one another. And I want, you to, I want you to extend your faith as far as you can to say, God, you 